So everybody, everybody get the notes. Did you get the handout? If you didn't get the handout, raise your hand. Does anybody need that? Everybody got it. Looks like everybody got it. Good. Okay. So this is it. This is a different handout than last week. This is uh, this will take us through the rest of this study. So we're just going to get right into it. Pick up. We're talking about we're talking about uh, baptism. We're talking about as we look at this acronym for Baptist and what does it mean to be a Baptist? What are the distinctives of a Baptist? So that we've already looked at biblical authority and the lordship of Christ. The A in that was the, was the autonomy of the local church. The P is uh, the priesthood of believers. And then we come to the T, where we were at last week and this week, is the two ordinances. There are two ordinances that we recognize. The first is baptism, and we'll get to communion uh, in, in either next week or the week after, but probably next week. But we, we've been looking then at, at baptism, and what does it mean? And so we've, we, we've come to the place now where we're talking about the purposes of baptism. So Christian churches differ on the purpose of baptism and what it means. Now, we're not going to take the time here. I don't have the time to take. It really would take a lot of time to try to explain all the different denominations and stuff and what they believe about baptism and why they do things different. We're not really going to focus on that. We're going to focus on more what we believe. Um, but... Um, it's still, nonetheless, in that, it's, it's important that we understand the meaning of baptism, and it is a crucial matter because it is clearly commanded by Jesus. That's the thing. The Lord has clearly commanded and given us very clear instruction on baptism. So certainly God's Word is strong in His teaching on baptism, and we Baptists feel that we cannot alter anything taught in Scripture. That's one of the things we've talked about, right? The authority of Scripture. So, so when, when the Bible teaches it, we as Baptists, we are people of the book. I think if there's one thing that you, if you want to hold on to something as a Baptist, that would be something to hold on to and say, that, why are you a Baptist? Because Baptists are people of the book. And I'm talking about real Baptists, not the ones that, for whatever reason, are wearing the name that are not, in, that are, that are not a Baptist in any way, shape, or form. But they don't adhere to these things that we're learning in here. So uh, when we talk about that, Baptists, true Baptists are people of the book. So if the, if the Scriptures teach it, you know, I had a, I think I was telling y'all, I had a, I think I was telling y'all in here, I had a, uh, it was a guy from the church where Gina and I met and where we got married before I was in ministry, but there was a guy named Dabney Sorrow. Y'all remember me talking about Dabney and we had about had a fight on the front porch of the church. And I loved Dabney. I loved it, Dabney. But Dabney, we come to find out, Dabney was a racist. He just, he was a racist. Was you there that day when me and him about got into it? He got kind of heated, but he just, he just was really, I mean, the stuff he was saying really offended me. It offended me as a believer, and uh, we, we got kind of heated there on, the, on that front porch, but I told him, I think this is what I told him. I said, if you can show me in Scripture where it's okay to be a racist, then I'll be a racist. Kind of, kind of end of conversation right there. You know, it's, it's interesting. Well, I know what the Bible says, but... You know, y'all know what my, my thing is on that, right? Keep that out of it, okay? 
We're not going, you can't have the, I believe the Bible, but. I know what the Bible says, but. You know, I, I know what, what the Lord said, but. I know what the Lord, you, you can't have that. We don't have that. When the scriptures say it and teach it, therefore, you know, we're going to follow what he says and what the scriptures say. So Baptists believe in essence that New Testament baptism signifies or, here's, here's a blank for you to fill in, symbolizes a believer's union with Christ. That's what baptism symbolizes. It symbolizes, it's a, it signifies or it symbolizes a believer's union with Christ. This is in contrast to the Lord's Supper, the second ordinance of the church, which signifies communion with Christ. So the, the baptism is, is, a, is symbolic of, of our salvation. It's a testimony of that, death, burial, and resurrection. We'll get into that. But um, the, the Lord's Supper, it, 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 it's communion with Christ. That's what it signifies. That's why we do that multiple times, because we're in constant communion with the Lord. And uh, we're, we're united with Christ at salvation once for all time. One of you, you know, yeah, there you go again with that. Once saved, always saved, preacher. That's right. I believe it. I believe it with my absolute heart. But I'll go back to what I say. Once saved, always saved. But you have to be once saved. Okay, you can't be always saved if you're not once saved. You have to truly be born again. And it's, it's not just some emotional experience. It has to be scriptural. If, you have, if you've truly been convicted of your sin and you've confessed your sin and you have believed by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the scriptures promise there's salvation. You're born again. But I would say this. If your life hasn't changed, if you were going along and, that, and, and, and there was a bloop, little blip and your life just continued on the same old road as it was before and there's no change there, if there was no change here, I, I, can, I, can, I ain't going to make no guarantees, but I'd almost, almost be 100% guarantee it didn't change you eternally. People that, that just continue, they, there's no difference in their life from pre-salvation to supposedly I got saved, I met the King of Kings, I met the resurrected Savior, I came into a relationship with Him, and there's no change in my life. Most of us, we can't, we would meet, if we met some celebrity, whoever it might be we really like, it would, it, you'd talk about it for months. You'd send your Christmas card out with a picture of you and whoever. Who was this? Who was this? You know, that's what that's that we get caught up in that. And you're going to tell me that we may meet the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and it doesn't change your life, then it hasn't changed your eternity. So baptism is a symbol of that. It's a representation of that, that this once for all time thing. That so we get baptized one time. We don't get baptized multiple times, we get baptized one time. So in contrast, we, we, we're, we're with constant communion with the Lord, so we partake in the Lord's Supper often. Simply put, the New Testament ordinance of baptism is a symbol of our union with Christ. Now there are other issues to consider when, when, uh, that enhance our fuller understanding of the ordinance of baptism. The first one there in your notes is for believers only. It's for believers only. Okay, so my dad... Well, let me get through something. If I forget, remind me to come back to my dad. So it's for believers only. So some Christian churches teach that it is an important that it is important for infants or small children to be baptized. Yet even a cursory study of the New Testament reveals unmistakably that every recorded baptism was of a person who was old enough to hear the gospel message, to believe it, to respond to the gospel message or believe it and receive it by an act of their own free will, humanly speaking. It takes, it takes God's touch and that's, you know, everybody in here, you would, you would, you would, if we go in around the room, when you got saved, 
you felt the Holy Spirit burden you and convict you of your sin. If you didn't feel conviction of your sin, if you never came to a place of being convicted and acknowledging that you are a sinner, if, if you're sitting here tonight and you say, I'm saved, but I'm not really, I don't, know if I'm, I don't think I'm really that bad a sinner. I'm really not a sinner. I'd say you're not saved. You, 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 you're not gonna, you can't take the cure if you don't know you got, that you're sick. You, you can't receive something you don't need, right? You have to understand the need that you're lost. And so for children, they haven't come to a place, if they, if they have not come to a place where they understand that, they, they are at an age now, can children be saved? I'm getting all ahead of myself. Um, yes, they can be saved. And can children be baptized? Yes. But we do not do infant. Can an infant make a decision about salvation? Now, people will, some will take a different view of this. I've had somebody, I had somebody who used to be here, wanted to argue with me and tell me that, that you know, you were either pre-select to go to heaven or you pre-select to go to hell. And children, a lot of them that died, that aborted children went to hell and not all of them, but, but the ones that God had pre-selected and was sent them to hell, they were going to hell. I don't believe it. I, you won't, and you won't convince me otherwise. I don't believe it. And I believe that children, until a... The, 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 you ain't going to find this in Scripture, this age of accountability. Because I remember growing up, I'd hear people talk about the age of accountability. And we'd try to be like, what age? I mean, what age? When are you accountable? Is it 10 or... Yeah, I think it was because we wanted to still, you know, do what we wanted to do and not be in trouble. Well, we were we were still good. If I, if that my if that's my mindset, then I'm accountable at that point. Age of accountability is when you're old enough to understand right from wrong. There, there's a, you've, you're getting to an age of accountability when you can understand that what you've done is wrong, that there's sin. When you understand that, so that gets into a whole lot of other stuff we can talk about. But infants should not be baptized. So it's, it's, uh, it's believer's baptism. So I'm, I'm getting ahead. So in other words, New Testament baptism is for believers only. We shouldn't baptize children. Some churches will do christenings or things like that. We don't do that. We do, a, we do baby dedications. We do children dedications. They don't have to be babies, but children. We did, some, we did your girls because when they were younger, they didn't have opportunity to do that. So they got older and they said, hey, would it be inappropriate to do that with our older girl? They're a little older. I said, absolutely not. I mean, you're, you're committing in what it is. That dedication is less about the child. It's more about you. It's your commitment to raise that child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Amen? It's, so it's, it's about that. And so you're bringing your child to dedicate them to the Lord and give them to the Lord. We don't baptize them and say, oh, now they're good. Well, we got them sprinkled. We got them christened. We got them baptized. They're in the church. They're going to heaven. No, no, no. You don't be deceived about that. And don't deceive. God forbid you deceive your child into thinking they don't have to do anything. I'm all good because I was christened. Whatever. We can't do that. So this is why Baptists consistently use the term believer's baptism. Because we should only be baptized after salvation. Now here's where my dad comes in. So my dad was... I'm 55. My dad's probably... He might have been a little younger... No, he's probably about my age right now. My dad was a, an alcoholic his whole life. Probably early teenager. He got, a mid-teenager, he got, he got started with drinking. And he drank his whole life. 
And so he really got down at the bottom of the barrel and he came to my house. I'd made the decision. I had my own place when I was in college. I had my own place and, I, and I, he was saying he was going to come up and I wanted to witness to him. I wanted to witness to his new wife. And uh, he said he was coming up. She was coming with him. I prayed, Lord, Lord, I want, to, I want to witness to them. Well, he shows up at my house and I'd made a commitment. My dad showed up at my house ever drunk again. He wasn't coming in my house. He shows up at my house. She ain't with him. So I'm mad about that. You know, I'm disappointed about that. And he's drunk. And I, but I let him in because I wanted to witness to him. So he got up Saturday morning and we sat down and we talked. And he was at the bottom of the barrel. He had just come to rock bottom. We had a long conversation, went through a gospel track with him. We talked, we prayed. He, 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 he made a profession. He made a confession. He prayed, he wept, he prayed. And um, he called out to the Lord. And I hope with... I hope, I have, I hope, I hope my dad really got saved. But I never really saw, as I've said, I never saw a big change with my dad. I saw a little change. I saw a little change, but I never saw a big change with my dad. So I hope my dad was saved, but my dad never would get baptized, which concerned me. Why would he not want to get baptized? But he says, well, I've been baptized. I said, no, dad, and this is where I'm trying to help him understand. If you got saved right here, then you didn't get baptized back there. Because it's after salvation. Well, I got baptized twice as a kid. Well, no, you got wet twice. You got dunked twice. You got sprinkled twice. Whatever you did, you got it twice. You got wet, but you didn't get baptized. Because you can't get baptized, scripturally, believer's baptism until you're a believer. You can't have believer's baptism until you're a believer. And so that, that's an important part for us. We think it's noble that Christian parents want to dedicate or consecrate, consecrate their infants or small children to the Lord in some way, such as a rite of baptism, as some churches would instruct their parents. But here's what we would say. Yet it's far more noble for parents to understand and follow the teachings of Scripture. Amen? So you, you may go, well, you know, a lot of times I think what parents do, and I've seen it, parents do things with their kids because it's, cute. It's, it's tradition. It maybe is what their, their religious tradition they grew up in, that they think their child, that's what they should do with their child. And so they, they do these things that are not scriptural. Susan, we had a conversation about, what was it a few years ago, a couple years ago, you asked, it was the um, Lent. Lent, doing Lent. You asked me about Lent. I said, well, there's nothing in Scripture that tells us to do that, commands us to do that. So if you want to do it, I, I don't have an issue with somebody doing that. If somebody wants to take 40 days and they want to fast off of something in order to get closer to the Lord, praise God, do it. If it if it'll, but don't do it out of some religious thing. But there's nothing in Scripture that, in, that tells us to do that. So we do what Scripture teaches us to do. We exercise our faith based upon the Word of God, not based upon some tradition that men came up with. Amen? And that's where, that's where we, we do this. So parents need to look at what the Scriptures say. What does the Scriptures teach us to do with our children? We have to have an understanding of salvation. My role is, my understanding for my kids is, I, I need to understand that they're sinners, and when they get to that age where they understand their sin, they're accountable to sin. And if they die in that point when they have become accountable, they're going to go to hell. My responsibility as a parent is to raise my children up so they know who God is. 
They know the Scriptures. They know they're sinners. They know they need a Savior. And when, when they get to that age and they understand that, they can respond to it. And you go, at what age? I don't know at what age. I've heard people say, Todd, you were five, four. He was four or five years old and, and very confident in that. He, he's con- he, he was born again at that age. He understood it. My daughter made a profession at six. Jordan was six years old. Got caught up in a, a, a VBS, a VBS on, on uh, methamphetamines, I think, is, is, would be the best way to describe what they did. It was, it was crazy. I mean, it was crazy. They called it Bible time. But uh, it, was, it was caffeine and all that stuff time is what it was. But it, no, they, they taught the word and they did a good job and all that. But she was there and she, made, she went down and she made a profession and she was baptized and all. They talked with her. We counseled with her and she, had, she said the things, but she'd been brought up. She understood with her head these things. Two years later, we're actually in Indiana. I'm candidating for the associate pastor position up there. We get home from church that night. And we're staying with Aaron Reynolds that was here a few weeks ago. Um, we're staying with them that night, and Jordan starts asking questions. And they're the right questions. And after about a, an hour of conversation, what we realized was, and she, she came to this understanding, she said, Dad, I think I went down because my friends were going down. And I understood the things they were saying, but I don't think I really understand what I was doing as far as salvation. She said, I don't, I, I, I think I'm lost. I said, well, good. That's good you know that because now we can do something about it. And so that night, Jordan gave her heart to the Lord. At eight years old, she prayed and it was genuine. And, you know, Jordan was never in, she wasn't in drugs. She wasn't running the streets. She wasn't street racing. She wasn't none of that stuff. She wasn't smoking and dipping and cussing, none of that. But Jordan will tell you, at eight years old, it changed her life. And so, you know, you, 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 some people go, well, I don't have the testimony somebody else has. You don't have to have the testimony somebody else has. You don't have to have the testimony of all the sin you've been through. You, somebody's been through that, they, they will tell you they'd rather you not have all that. Amen? If they got that baggage, they'll tell you they, they wish you didn't have that baggage. But here's what they'll tell you if they truly understand salvation, that that, that little eight-year-old girl was just as lost as they were in their sin. Jordan was going to go to hell just like the, the drug addict or the murderer or any of them were going to go to hell without Christ. She's just as lost. So we have to be born again. So parents need to understand these things and follow Scripture. So Baptists generally believe, general, generally believe that we should avoid anything with the potential to mislead little children into thinking that, that they do not need to make a personal profession of faith in Christ upon a credible understanding of the gospel. We've got to make sure, you know, Pastor Aaron and I have talked about this. Um, you, you have to be really careful with kids because you can talk kids into anything. So we, we, can, we can teach the gospel and I can give a strong gospel uh, evangelistic push. And I can have every kid come forward and say, I need to be saved. I can, I, we can do that. That's spiritual manipulation. We don't want that. We want a child to understand through the Scriptures. Hello, Miss Jessie. We want them to understand through the Scriptures that they're a sinner. They, the little children get saved the same way big children do, the same way we do, the same way older children. If you're in 8 to 80, 
Don't matter, okay? It's the same way. We have to understand that we're lost. We have to understand Jesus is the only way and respond to him. Now, if we tell a kid that you were baptized or you were christened or you went through this class or whatever, and, and, and they get this idea that they're okay, here's what we give them. We give them a false assurance. And the last thing I want to do as a pastor is to give anybody a false assurance. And so I, I'm careful now. I, here's what I can tell you. If, if, the Scripture makes it very clear that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Clear, right? Amen. I can't see their heart. So I have to be careful. I can tell you with all authority, if the Lord has drawn you, if the Lord's convicted you and you've responded by faith, you've confessed your sin, you've called on the Lord for salvation, I can absolutely say with 100% authority, if you've done what God said do, He's, He's saved you. But I can't tell you that's what you've done. And so I have to be careful not to say, I can tell you if you've done this, I've been in funerals where I knew the person didn't know the Lord. I didn't, I, okay, I can't say that either. There's no reason to believe they knew the Lord. But I can no more say they're in hell than I can say anybody else is in heaven. As much as Lisa Albert, as much as we loved Lisa, and we knew, I, I can't tell you Lisa's in heaven. I believe with all my heart Lisa's in heaven, but I can't tell you on absolute authority Lisa's in heaven because only she and God knows. And we saw the testimony of her life. We heard the testimony from her mouth. But I can't, I can't make that anymore. I can tell you somebody else didn't trust Christ before they passed. Okay, so what I don't want to say is, Jason, man, you're saved. You're going to heaven. But I can say, Jason, if you really believe, if you really did what God said there, if you really are believing by faith, there's a promise from God. The promise is this, 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 thou shalt be saved. It's a promise that we can hold to. So we don't want to give kids a false hope or a false any, anything that's going to hinder them. So we do children a serious disservice in life if they grow up thinking that because something was done for them, such as an infant baptism, before they were even old enough to, to even know right from wrong, that they do not need to be born again in order to receive salvation. And John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, you would think people that grow up in church would have a good understanding of this, right? You would think that. Well, it depends on where you go to church. It depends on what they teach. So here's what I found with FCA and working with these high school kids. We'd have kids that would, that would want to be FCA leaders. So they have to put in an application, they have to fill out, and they have to put on there their testimony. And I was amazed how many kids had been in church all these years or whatever, and they they really didn't have a test. They didn't have a clear salvation testimony. So I'd sit down to talk with them, and what I found many times is the kids. It was there was several kids out of a, a Methodist church up in um, the land, and so we're talking, and there's really no testimony they right now. I'm like, well, tell me. Well, when did you become a Christian? Well, I've always been a Christian. I've always been a Christian. Always been a Christian. Well, they've always been in church. And they had never understood the, the, the fact that just like I had a birthday where I was birthed into this world, we spiritually have to have a spiritual birthday where we're birthed spiritually. We are made alive. We come alive. We must be born again. I've been born of the flesh and he'd be born of the spirit. 
And so now it was a great witnessing opportunity because I got to share the gospel with these kids that were in churches. They were never hearing the gospel. In their church, never hearing the gospel. No clear explanation of, of, of them understanding their sin, their separation from God, and their need for a Savior. Never heard it. Just assume because I go to church. I've always gone to church. I'm a Christian. I've always been a Christian. I was born a Christian. Can't do that for our kids. They're going to be religious people that just go to hell. We, we can't have that. So we must be careful not to give our children that impression. This does not mean that children cannot be saved and baptized. They can. They simply must be old enough to understand the gospel message, which, of course, is an age that is different from child to child. So it's not at three or four or five or six or seven. It's, it depends on that child and their understanding. How it, when they come to that place, when a child begins to really understand right and wrong, they're, they're an age when they can then understand their lostness and their sin. We emphasize again that every person needs to come to Christ individually by faith and that the act of baptism, according to the New Testament, is only for those who have personally made that decision. They've been born again. When a person enters the family of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ by the new birth, the first commandment is that they should be baptized. Matthew 28, 19, Acts chapter 8, verse 36 through 38. It's important. That should be one of the first things we do as a believer uh, is to be baptized. And it's, it's an act of obedience. Second thing here, public profession of faith. Public profession of faith in, in Jesus Christ. So what is baptism? What is, what is this, um, you know, so believers only. It's for believers only. But it's a public profession of our faith in Jesus Christ. So baptism expresses our public confession of repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Those who repent and believe the message of John the Baptist, those, those who believe the message of Jesus, those who believe the message of the apostles and others in the New Testament demonstrated their faith by submitting to believers' baptism. As you read through the book of Acts, you read through the God. When you see people, when they came to faith, what did they do? They responded with, by being baptized. When you, all through Acts, you see it again and again and again. They believed they were baptized. They believed they were baptized. They believed they were baptized. They didn't get baptized in order to be saved. They believed and then they were baptized. Acts 2.41, those who were, uh, uh, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Notice that they received his, Peter's word, the word there is the gospel message. Then after receiving the message, accepting Christ, that's what it meant. That's what that, that phrase there is talking about, receive the message. It, they, they responded to the message that Peter gave. He spoke, they received his word, and after receiving the message, accepting Christ, they were baptized as the means of expressing their new faith. That was the purpose of baptism. It is to express their faith. You know, we do that today. In a, we don't do it the way they did, though. I mean, it's just different. I think I said Sunday or sometime, you know, we, we ought to just keep the pool full. And when somebody, if somebody comes forward and, and, and professes faith in Christ, we ought to just run up and baptize them right then. Yep. I think we ought to do that. I think we're going to start doing that. <laughs> Elon Musk, they were interviewing him, and he was, somebody asked him something about a rocket, and he kind of went, Yeah, we're going to fix that tomorrow. He's like, yeah, you're right. We're going to change, we're going to change it. We're going to do that tomorrow. You know what? We ought to do that. And keep, the keep the heater running. 
Might have to put it on some kind of time. I probably need, we ought to do, we really should do that. We really ought to do that way. So if somebody wants to be baptized, we just go up and do the baptism right there. There's no reason not to. If there's a clear profession of faith, there's no reason to wait. We don't have to wait. Um, it's an expression of our faith. And in that day, that was, I mean, you think about it. Think about when you got saved. First thing we should do is tell somebody, right? And we should proclaim our faith. We should proclaim our faith. What better way? In that day, when, when all that was going on, what better way to proclaim that? And it's even different than the way we do it then. When they got baptized, it was public. They weren't coming into the church house. They, I don't, they found some pools somewhere. Maybe they just, they cluttering up the pool. They're baptizing right out there in public. But I mean, they were so excited about what God had done for them. They I want to tell them, I want to show it. They, how do I show it? Come on, show it. Here it is. Death, push, burial, push, resurrection. Woo! They had no problem with expressing that and sharing that with everybody who was around. There was lost people around. I don't want people to look at me. There were lost people around. It, I mean, they, they, were, they were making a choice that could cost them their life. They jumped right in the water. We ought to follow the Lord. Through the physical act of water baptism, they publicly identified with the church of Jesus Christ. There are no New Testament verses that teach or suggest that baptism is for infants or small children who are unable to make a personal uh, conscious decision for Christ. Next thing is a picture. It pictures the gospel message. It pictures the gospel message. Baptism is also a picture or symbolic representation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel message is written by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. The good news that Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again for our, for our sins according to the scriptures. That's the passage... Paul expressed it this way in Romans 6, verses 3 through 5, speaking of their spiritual baptism at the moment of salvation. Verse 3, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Now, people will use this and go, oh, see, now that's about salvation. That's, that's, you, you be, that's water baptism and that's about salvation right there. Well, hold on. Verse 4, Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Now commenting on this passage, here's what John MacArthur wrote. He said, this does not refer to water baptism. Paul is actually using the word baptized in a metaphorical sense. As we might in saying someone was immersed in his work, or underwent his baptism of fire when experiencing some trouble. All Christians have, by placing saving faith in him, been spiritually immersed into the person of Christ. That is, united and identified with him. Certainly, water baptism pictures this reality, which is the purpose, to show the transformation of the justified. Verse 5 means that immersion or identification is specifically with Christ. Death and resurrection. We're identified with him in that, okay? All right. Uh... All right, I can get through this one. Symbolizes new life in Christ. Symbolizes new life in Christ. Now again, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm probably beating the dead horse at this point. 
Baptism is not salvation. Okay? Baptism is not salvation. Uh, Let's go back to the ring illustration. I may have shown this last week. What What does that mean when you see that? It means I'm married. Am I married? I'm married. So the ring doesn't make me married. It just shows you that I'm married. It symbolizes me. It's an outward expression of the inward commitment I've made to my wife. I worked, when I was working in construction years ago, I didn't wear a ring. I, 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 Bill, you lost a finger, didn't you? Was you doing construction when you lost that finger? A ring finger. So he, he got his finger caught, and I'd heard stories of that. So I didn't wear a band. You know, now they make those uh, silicone bands. So I could have done that. I, I didn't, they didn't do them then. I wasn't going to wear this and lose my finger. So um, Gina said, am I not that? Is it not worth it? Am I not worth the risk? Yes, honey, but I'm not wearing it. Um, Baptism is not salvation. The teaching that salvation is obtained through being baptized in water is called baptismal regeneration and is not a biblical doctrine. there There are folks who teach you must be baptized in order to be saved. So your faith is expressed. The way you express your faith, your act of faith, is to be baptized. And if you're not baptized, you're not saved. That's the mechanism. That's your acting of faith. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's a certain group of long-bearded fellas that blew on these little things and then things flew out of the sky. Y'all know who I'm talking about? Y'all know who I'm talking about? Yeah. So those guys, here's something that concerns me. This goes back at least, we've been gone from Georgia 15 years. So it's at least 16, 17 years. One thing that concerned me early on with those guys was how the Southern Baptists just embraced them. Just hooked up with them like, man, they're the greatest thing ever. But I heard some things that were coming out of Willie's mouth especially. That concerned me. So I go and I do some research. I find the church they go to. I go to their website and I do research on that. And I find videos that their pastor of their church where they attend and believe that they would believe is that. So I watch his videos. We sat and watched them in our living room in, in commerce. You remember this? And the guy's in Sedona, Arizona filming these in Sedona with the red rocks around him and stuff. Probably 45 minutes he does a video. And basically he comes to the end and he says... There's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. People talk about a sinner's prayer. There's no sinner's prayer. You can't pray to be saved. And he goes into now explaining why baptism is the way you get saved. And he uses verses, he twists verses to show that that you are saved by being baptized. If you're not baptized. Now people say, I don't know if they really believe that way. Well, I've seen, I've, I've heard out of their own mouth where they talk about, I was sharing Jesus with this guy, and I went down, I could, and I got to go and baptize him into Jesus. That's pretty clear what he believes about baptism, that it's baptismal regeneration. So I don't associate with that, because that is, that's a false gospel. Now, I'm not saying the Robertsons aren't saved. I'm not, because we're saved by faith. But I'll tell you this, if they're trusting in that baptism to save them, guess what? They're not saved. Preacher, is that, is that right? Now you've perverted the gospel. We're saved by grace through faith. 
And our faith is in, it, it, it's, not a, it's not faith that saves you. It's who your faith is in or what your faith is in, right? So if my faith is in a false Jesus, that, that celebrity who said, well, I believe in God, but I believe in, I believe in Jesus, but I believe in, believe in Jesus the way I want him to be. Okay, well, what have you done? You've created an idol. We, we, our faith has to be in the God of the Bible and, and the Jesus of the Bible. We don't get to make our own Jesus. It, it's the Jesus of the Bible, and that's where our faith has to be. And so those are the things, those are the things you have to watch. Well, I'm going to stop there, and we'll pick up on that next week. I don't have time to get through that, but I'll pick up on that, that lesson, that part of that next week.